Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. I will give you all the praise. Lord, we bless your name for what you are doing. We thank you for what you will do. We thank you for the grace by which you've been bringing us till now. Lord, we say let your name be glorified in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would honor yourself. You will glorify yourself in the name of Jesus. Thank you, faithful Father. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Let us sit down, please, as we God help us all in Jesus' name. We have been looking at a conversation for the past for a while. And what we're looking at is the gospel. And we are God has helped us to be dealing with different aspects and manifestations of the gospel. Today we are just going to I'm not I'm not sure if we are going to just but we, we will just come to understanding of the gospel which is the gospel the power for sanctification. The gospel, the power for sanctification. You know, I put up this tweet from Tim that the gospel is not the ABC of Christianity. It is the A to Z of Christianity. So it is not, it is, it is, it is not perfectly understanding the gospel that we think that the gospel is only meant for people who are yet to know God. If you look at the entirety of how the gospel plays out, you discover that the gospel is far beyond only just what it is. Yes, it is the entrance, but there is so much life in the gospel. That's why when you read 1 Corinthians chapter um, 15, it says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received and which you are taking stand, on which you are taking your stand. So what we are looking at here is that the gospel is reminding the, the Christians of the gospel, and we've been establishing it over the over the couple of weeks. Is that the gospel is not only it is not it is not something that you know. And once you have had the gospel, then every then you can do other things. In Christianity, there is nothing other to do. And you begin to, as we begin to look at this, and he said, this gospel, this by this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Let's go on, please. He now said, For what I received, I passed to you of false deposits. Now, this is the gospel. That's why you have an idea. This is the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This is the gospel. Now, the, the challenge as we begin to as we begin to look at it is that, and I said to us last week, and that's where I'm taking off from, is that you will discover that one of the challenges in the early church was that people were talking about discounting resurrection. And Paul was saying, if you don't understand resurrection, you are still in your sin. So, if if we do not really understand what happened in resurrection, what you are saying is that Jesus died the same way they killed those animals for the for the sins of people. Because when they killed those animals, they died. They never resurrected. So, what is the big deal about the resurrection of Christ? What is the big deal about it? And you begin to see Paul 
question people, shut people up, say, you know what, you cannot be preaching a gospel that doesn't recognize resurrection. And I said with us last week, briefly, that even in the body of Christ today, we are teaching a gospel that lacks the power of resurrection. We may, you, might, you can talk about resurrection, but when we are talking about what are the implications of it. Now, one of the things which the Apostle Paul says to us in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, he says, he was delivered over for death for our sins and resurrected for our justification. So that means that the two aspects of the death of Christ had different things it was achieving. And you begin to see it again. That's why Paul will say in Philippians 3 verse 10, he said that I may know him, I may know Christ. Yes, the power of his resurrection. So Paul begins to lay emphasis that there is a particular power that comes from the re- understanding the resurrection of Christ. Understanding the resurrection of Christ. And we said to us, yes, we, we were saying to us yesterday that that resurrection is what gives you the ability to, to, to have power over sin. And if you don't understand that as a Christian, you will not be able to know how to get, to activate or to understand the power you have over sin. And so what will happen is that we will now have a gospel that says, you know, don't worry. You know, it's okay. It's just one of those things. So we are all different. And that was the issue Paul was having about the gospel that did not emphasize on what happened on the resurrection. So we will begin to, I'm just still just tapping up a couple of things. Romans chapter 8. Thank you. Now, this is a scripture, there's a part of this scripture that we are used to. That is verse 11. But I will read from verse 10. It says that if Christ is in you, even then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives you life because of righteousness. And if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, it will quick, it will, sorry, I was reading, they said, it will raise, sorry, leaves, this is why you don't have scriptures, amen. Let's just see what we have, they said, if the, if the spirit that raised him, if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit lives in you. Now, what did he say that this life would be able to do? Let us go on to verse 12. He said, therefore, brothers and sisters, that means because this life lives in you, therefore, brothers and sisters, you have no obligation. That means that you are not mandated by sin. This thing that, you know, I cannot just but do it. He said, because you have this spirit inside of you, he said, it is, he said, it is not your, it is, it is not to your, you don't have obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. So, and I said last, you know, when we read that scripture, if, if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you, yes, it works for different aspects, but it is interesting that the body of Christ have not really Galvanize that power to walk out, and that was what Paul was. But that was the point that Paul was saying: the power in resurrection. If that spirit that resurrected Christ can walk in you, then you would be able to walk out of those things. 
Does that make sense? God help us in Jesus' name. Now, I, I, I said this in a different way last week, but I'll say it also again this week. So that we, we, because I'm trying to get into a particular thing. Now, the gospel, can I next slide? The gospel saves us from the penalty of sin. Secondly, the gospel saves us from the power of sin. And the gospel saves, um, saves us from the presence of sin. These are the two, three manifestations of the gospel that you would see in the scriptures. He saved you from the penalty of sin the day Christ died. The power of sin is to use when you are still alive. And to take you away from the presence of sin is when you are raptured to meet him. So when a Christian does not understand these three foundations of the gospel, and I'll show you where, where most people tend to camp, and let's, now the gospel cannot be like this. Now the gospel is presented in these three parts. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. You will read scriptures that would say, you have been saved. Have you read that? We will read a couple of scriptures like that soon. You will read scriptures that will say, you have been saved. Then you read another scripture that will say, to them who have been saved. And you read another scripture that will say, you will be saved. And people go, what is going on? I thought the Bible said I am saved. So, why is it saying that I am being saved? Or why is it using a sentence, except you are not, you are not reading the Bible, I put it down. you are not conscious of what you are reading. You will not know that there are different tenses that the Bible is using. So you have justification. Now, this is what happened. When Christ died for our sin, we were justified. This is the part that you need to first of all understand. That's what we've been dealing with for the past couple of weeks. You need to understand that you were justified the day Christ died. Have you ever wondered what the Bible says that, how does the Bible say that you are saved and later says that work out your salvation? Because one is justification. The other is the process of your sanctification. Then finally, you will be glorified. So let us look at a couple of scriptures. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. Oh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, sorry. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, for by grace... You have been saved. For by grace you have been saved. That is justification. You begin to see this dimension also as it begins to relate to different aspects of the scripture. But we would, we would, um, God will grant us grace in Jesus' name. He said, through faith. It is not for ourselves. So this kind of one, it, is, it has nothing to do with your works. You have not done anything. All you have just done is Jesus. Forgive me my iniquities. I give my life to you. At that time, you are pronounced justified. Let's have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. It says... For we are to God a pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. You know the first scripture says you are saved. Now he's saying you are being saved. And this is the part where at times Christians don't understand 
where I believe this is where you know this is where you have the gospel of you know, don't worry, you you are okay, no matter what, Jesus loves you. No, there are there, the Bible clearly defines your process of sanctification. And this is where we have it says to those who are being who are being saved. Romans chapter 5, verse 9, he says now, since you have been justified, so we said justification is the first aspect that you have. He said, by his blood, how much more shall we be saved? Because one is talking about justification. That's why he talks about that. The other one talking about sanctification. This one is talking about glorification. When you are taken away from sin. May God grant us understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, What this means is that when I give my life to Christ, I cannot just sit down and say, it doesn't really matter. You can begin to do, you know, that's why Paul was saying, again, it is this point that Paul had, where Paul said, would we continue in sin and say that grace will abound? Because there was this Dimension of ah, it doesn't matter. What God is saying is that when you gave your life to Christ, now the Holy Spirit, that is what resurrection was for, is for you to be empowered to begin to take steps towards your sanctification. Or in the journey of your sanctification, let me put that way. That does not mean that's why at a time God himself will come. But however, it is, it is the responsibility of a child of God to be, not to walk to gain their salvation because their salvation has been justified. But now, they need to begin to walk in partnership with the Holy Spirit to begin to walk on their sanctification. You would see it again. Let's see. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. This is ESV. He said, by a single offering, he, he, perfected, he perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So the Bible says, he perfected them, but they had to go through the process of sanctification. Does this, is this making a little bit of sense? Amen. So, we have... Just go to 2 Corinthians and I will just explain that. Just to say, God bless you. Okay, let's just... We are, we are getting there. I'm just trying to lay a foundation to take you away from what people just assume. That justification, after justification is glorification. That's not scriptures. So the Bible says, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and the spirits. Perfecting. Perfecting our holiness. So that means that we are, God has declared you holy, but you need to start to it's like a child that has legs. That child needs to begin to learn to walk on that legs. If the child does not learn to walk on that legs, it will sit forever. The joy of the father is to see the child walk. Does this make sense to us? Let me read the NLT. NLT. It says, 
Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from anything that defiles our body and spirit. And let us walk towards complete holiness. It did not say that you would get to a point that you would... He said, no, that is where glorification happens. But it is your job to begin to walk towards it. That's why the Bible does not say walk and be completely holy. He said, walk towards it. The question is, how many Christians are walking towards Please note that he did not use walk, W-A-L-K. He used walk, which is actively getting involved in things, doing certain things to walk, to, to move your journey in certification. But he said to us, he said, let us cleanse ourselves. So that means that's why he used cleanse ourselves and use work. So this is not only a job. He said the Holy Spirit is, 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 is when the Holy Spirit is ready with me. No, he's saying that no, you have to take a deliberate effort to begin to partner with him and begin to cleanse yourself. God will grant us understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, because if we don't understand, if we don't understand this, then we will not understand what resurrection is all about. Do you know what the gospel without laying emphasis on resurrection means? Is that don't worry. Jesus has forgiven you. If you go back again, he will forgive you. Which he would. There is no nothing bad in that. But it is not a complete gospel. The complete gospel means Jesus has forgiven you. He has also given you power to walk out of it. And, you, and that is why you see the way Paul will write things at times. You know, um, so First Thessalonians, I think, First Thessalonians, I'm reading the ESV. Say now, may the God of peace sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul be kept blameless at the day of His coming. This is again glorification. By, it, <coughs> by the time you get to Christ, sorry, by the time you get to Christ, it is you are taking away from the presence of sin. You are taking away from the presence of sin. Now, I do not think that, see, there is nothing that is happening now that is not in scriptures. And this scripture really boils down to the first John. He said, little children. Now, this is not by age. If you read first John, he's not talking to people by age. He's talking to them by level of maturity in the things of God. So when he said, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practice righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. He who practice righteousness, that means that you can say that I am righteous in Christ. The Bible says that, but what he is referring to is justification. He said that if truly you have been righteous, then you will be practicing now look at the word practice. That means that I would, I would want to, 
You see, I want to improve on myself. I will not just say that, you know, God understands. I will not say that, you know, the, the grace of God sometimes, some things that God doesn't understand that I'm, I, I'm, I'm having one or two things, but, you know, Jesus saved me anyhow. Jesus may save you anyhow, but he's not interested in keeping you anyhow. He said, he said, do not be deceived. I now he's writing to Christians. And there are so many people in the body of Christ that have been deceived. So if Paul is not saying to if Paul is saying to not that means or John is saying to not be deceived, that means you can be deceived. To think that you know it doesn't really matter. That's not what scriptures is. May God grant us grace and strength in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm first of all trying to get us from the point of just believing in things that I, I was saying, you know, that time I was listening to something and God clearly told me you continue this way, listening to this thing, you will end up in hell. If you think this is how Christianity is, grace covers everything. You are not trying to, you are, there is no even hunger inside of you. And sadly, one of the things that the hunger for righteousness is being poured water out. know what Jesus said about about the story about when he said a tree that does not is a branch that does not bear fruit. He said what did he say? He said it will be plucked out. Now that means that branch was part of that tree before. The gospel of don't worry, everything is settled. scriptures. It doesn't mean, again, and this is why the Bible starts always starts from justification. What he's saying is I use my power that I gave on Calvary and resurrected it and walked through. It did not say walk for your salvation. But you are walking towards sanctification. Does that make sense to us? Amen. First Thessalonians chapter two. So I'll just have a bit of scriptures, but we'll just we'll pass it just um now you know this is Paul talking. He said you are a witness. And so is God of how holy and righteous and blameless we behave among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging you and comforting you and urging you to live a life worthy of God who has called you to his kingdom. Who has come to the kingdom of glory? Now, what is Paul saying here? This takes away the thinking that you know that kind of Christian life is only for pastors. Have you had Christians say it? Ah, no, no. I, I don't know. I, I can't remember who I was talking to. Yeah, I was talking to somebody. I was just canceling somebody. I said. Because that person was, that was, um, uh, that was, uh, um, that was something that I needed to, uh, to speak to that person. God said, you know, there was someone I needed to speak to about, about way of life and things like that. And and it was being said around 
it was being said around the issue about this person is going to be used by God. So I now said to that person, I said, let me tell you one thing. I get the idea that you want to be, you are going to be used by God. There is no doubt about it. But if your sanctification is on God is going to use me, then the day God doesn't use you again, you will gladly go back and do what you did. I said to that man, I said, I said to that man, I said, you know what? What you, if you, where you would not, I said, if you see me in a place, I said, picture where you normally, where, wherever it is that you are or you go, and you walk into the place, and you see me in that place, what will make you say, Pastor, what are you doing here? That means, as a Christian, you should not be there. Before a pastor falls, he has fallen first as a Christian. If a pastor falls because he's doing fornication, a Christian should not be doing fornication. All these special sins for pastors are minor sins for, for, for the children of, of God. It is not scriptural. That's why Paul said, no, please don't get me wrong. The Bible says that, please, it's not every, Paul was saying, please, not everybody of you, I, all of you should not be teaching. That's what Paul said. He said, because those who teach will be judged twice as harsh. So he said, that's what Paul was saying. Please, don't even bother nearly to it. He said, because so that, you know, and that is why I think of what God is doing everywhere. You can but see, <laughs> it is good to always preach. But if you read the Bible well, the Bible requires double of what you are saying from you. So I'm not saying this to you, but what I'm trying to say is that because certain things that stop Christians from growing is that we have this celebrity kind of view of pastors. So there are certain things. The only thing I do now, and I'm still trying to do better, that I don't do before when I was a pastor, is calling people. <laughs> Aside from that, when I was in university, by God's grace, I wake up early in the morning, go on a walk, and start to pray. I had no church. So what I'm trying to say is that this barrier of celebrity, that whereby you only imagine what you can become in them, the only reason why you go and watch Mercy, or those, or those who watch Mercy, is because you are always thinking, ah, I can never become this. So you go and watch it. So you see your, it is a, if it's a 30 minutes of seeing yourself in them. That's why you pay money to everybody to watch. Why does it pay somebody, somebody who seems like you? Go and watch <laughs> Yes, sir. Because you, you, you see them. As, I'm not saying, say, don't get me wrong. Of course, there are excesses to it. Because I was listening to a very sad story. Of, um, one of the challenges, because there's a guy that I watch his um, podcast and things like that, he's into music. And he follows, you know, he has, he's, he has some, you know, he's been meeting Justin Bieber in, in Bible fellowships. And things like that. He said, but the sad story at times is that Justin Bieber, one of the challenges now is that he can walk into a church he walks into a church and girls are, are falling. When I'm trying to you know, the people are fainting as he's walking past. You get what I'm trying to say? And that is the challenge. The boy is coming to do for the salvation of his own soul. Now it's a challenge for him to even enter any kind of church. 
There are times whereby this thing I was saying, there are times whereby you know, they came to this church. He came, he was in this church. He came with no bodyguard because he just came to come and learn the Bible. They were doing some Bible series and he saw it online and he came. The church had to employ bodyguards to chase members away. Yes, because they saw <laughs> that shows you. <laughs> Who they actually came to see. They, they've been okay. They've been listening to the Bible until when just the people are walking to the church. Then the anointing of pastor did not make them fall again. <laughs> <laughs> they started falling. And the guy was saying it was so embarrassing that they had to be wicked. They had to be carrying people. You know how shows are at times. At least I've seen one by my taxi once very, very long time ago where they have to be putting people into ambulances. And so, but the, the truth is that you cannot change yourself in church. It's what you are outside at you. It's just because something has not worked in that you will scream. And that's why you know, some pastors will say that some of those services, when they, they, they find it difficult to come to church. So that's why you see some of them, I don't subscribe to it, but some of them will have private fellowships for them. Because if they come to church, it's Wahala. That's why he had um, uh, Kobe Brown. The, the pastor would say, he comes early. The priest said, he comes early to Mass. But he will sit in his car. Until the whole Mass is starting, then he will go and sit at the back. Sit behind the usher. So that people will not see him. Because the time people see him, Mass has finished. <laughs> Pastor can be saying whatever he's saying in front. They want to get autograph. So as they are singing the hand of song, mass, and things like that, it takes his bag and goes out. That's how some of them have to attend churches. Now, the, the question is, there is problem in the church. You know, he, ah, God, God be celebrating. How? how? <laughs> you got to find it too. You get what I'm saying? God bless us in Jesus' name. But what I'm trying to say is that there should be no. Please, there is the place of honor. Don't get me wrong. The scripture mandates that. But Paul would say, What I am doing, I'm doing as an example so that you can do it. You should, I should, not, you should not be seeing me, Paul, do something and say, Well, ah, he's the only one that can do those kind of things when it comes to strong Christianity. Ah, that's why they are pastors. That's not scriptures. God grant us grace in Jesus' name. So he says, among you, for those who believe, and they say, encouraging you, comforting you, urging you. So that means that if he says, please, just live a righteous life. God will grant us grace in Jesus' name. He said, Let's go, let's go on this to the next slide. He said, he said as, for matter, as, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instruct you. Now, so, when it came to sanctification, it, it is an instruction. So we instruct you how you should live in order to please God. In fact, you, as, as in fact you are living. Now I ask you, I hold you, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do this more and more. That means progress in your life of sanctification. Don't stay somewhere and say, you know what, I too have tried. I know we don't have them here because we God help anyone that's coming that, you know, God, you know God knows. I used to have um, three girlfriends before. Now we have two. So I'm progressing. That's not progression, <laughs> That is not progression. It's certification. I had somebody who was saying that there's a person that had an issue. Somebody said yesterday, Paul was also, I was also, I said, before Paul met Christ, do you have any documentation that after Paul met Christ? And that's what people don't understand. But Paul also, that was before he met Christ. 
That did not mean that it was perfect, but there was a clear distinction when Paul gives life to Christ. God help us in Jesus' name. Sorry. Amen. Let's just, um, let's go. I'm trying to take the time once again. Let's go to the next episode. So we have him here. No, he begins to talk about, he said, he said, this is the will of God. I want to know God's will for my life. His first will is to be sanctified. Tell me God's will. Sanctify yourself. See, I was talking to someone yesterday. I said, person was telling me a lot. I said, see, start from scriptures before you go into other realms. Start from here. <laughs> start from here. Person was talking to me about, um, you know, uh, God is um, uh, leaders. How do we, we need to pray for them? But how do we pray for them? Some of them, as I said, it's, uh, what you're supposed to pray for leaders, it is inside your scriptures. Start from them first. Then you can see revelation. May God grant us grace in Jesus' name. So he's saying that, he says, he says, he says, he says, avoid sexual immorality. Now, please, because one of the issues here was that it was an issue within that church. So, but when you read on, you discover that there are other things that Paul was adding to it. So he's saying that, please, sanctify yourself. And please, note, note that he says that the will of God that you should. So he's saying that God is saying, take up responsibility for your sanctification. Take up responsibility for your sanctification. May God grant us understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, you know, sanctification, what does sanctification mean? Setting apart for God. You see, something that's been used by people before. Now, that thing belongs to God. There is no, it doesn't have to have formal ceremony. Leviticus chapter, Leviticus chapter 27, verse 14. It says, when a man shall sanctify his house to be holy unto the Lord, then the priest shall estimate it whether it be good or bad. As the priest shall estimate it, so he shall stand. So the Bible says, a man will just take his and say, this place I dedicated to God. So you don't need to go through 10 steps to decide to sanctify yourself. You say, God, this is... I am dedicating my body to God. It is just a decision. That's what I'm trying to say. It is a decision to say, I want to live a sanctified life. I want to live a sanctified life. Just let me just quickly go and run through a couple of things which are avenues and tools for sanctification that helps us in the journey. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Sorry, Ephesians chapter 5. Sorry, let's go. Yeah, thank you. He said, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. We are the church. He said that he gave himself to her to make her holy. Holiness is also sanctification. How, how does he do it? Cleansing her. By the washing of the of of the water through the word of God, we're not doing marriage ceremony here, but this is the biblical way of if you want your wife to improve. I'm saying this because we are all like it is not by you don't beat her into shape. That is not scripture. You don't speak to her like not dog that knows. He said, no. He, by the water of the word of God. Please, it is not to turn them into uh, salmon and let's start, let's start in this scripture on your head. That's not what it's about. 
But please note the word cleansing. That means it is a continuous process. You cannot be sanctified except you open yourself up to the regular washing of the word. And that is what happened whenever you sit in a place in an atmosphere where teaching is going on. You are being washed. James chapter 1 verse 21 says, Therefore, get rid of, of filthy and evil that, that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word of God which can save you. So that means, another version would say, accept or engrafted into your soul the word of God which can save you. So that means that the more you receive the word of God with humility, you know there are people who don't receive the word of God with humility. For God's love, I don't want to say, I don't want to say, I don't want to say. Ah, and yet, their life has no re re resemblance to what they are saying. Because, see, it is not receiving. The Bible talks to us how to receive the word of God. You humble yourself to receive God's word. When you are sitting down to negotiate or to, to correct when the word of God comes to you. Yesterday, I had to, by God's grace, I had to, I had to go out and seek the face of God. Because when the word of God came to me, exposing something in my heart, I had valid reasons in my, in my own heart why I'm taking that position. But that is not humbly receiving the word of God. And I discovered that as, as that word came, my soul just, it, it was, but you had to first of all, humbly accept it. If the word of God comes to you and the first thing you are first of all doing is, you know, <laughs> no, 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 you, know, you, you, don't, you don't really understand what's going on here. God grant us understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. So this is talking, which can save you. It's talking about your journey towards glorification. Let's conclude. And you will see it again. I commit you unto God and to the word of his grace, which is able to give build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. So the word of God is an avenue to constantly receive our sanctification. One other thing is the spirit of God the Bible, and that's how Jesus was able to also succeed from releasing himself. Now the Bible calls it, the Bible calls it in Romans 1 verse 4. He said, through the spirit of holiness. Through the spirit of, he was appointed the son of God in power by the resurrection. So if you want to understand the power of resurrection, you need to give yourself up to the spirit of holiness. What does it mean to have the spirit of holy? What do I talk about spirit of holy? Identifying the Holy Spirit with his character. If there is a reason why the whole Bible calls the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit. Because in the Bible you have the spirit of uncleanliness. So, and this is how you know. When Jesus casted out unclean spirits, 
Who did he cast out of unclean spirit from in the Bible? You had the man at Gadara. Bible says he had unclean spirit. Where was he living? In an unclean environment. Where did this? Where did the demons go? They went into a peak. Where did the peak go? Into the mud. So a spirit, that's what when the Bible calls spirit of infirmity, it would take shape of what that spirit is called. So that's why the Bible calls it the spirit of holiness. Because when it takes shape and when you allow it to begin to walk through you, it will produce the work of holiness. So I can know if the spirit of holiness is at work in a place, when I see the way people carry out it. Because that was what Jesus said. So we have another thing, it's important, that's where we are, that's what I believe that you know, we need to, as we, that's one of the reasons why I'm pointing so much at this is the hunger and test for it. Hunger and test for it. Jesus said it in Matthew 5, 6. He says, he said, Matthew 5, 6, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and test after righteousness, for they shall be filled. But when you make somebody comfortable, what do you take away? You take away the hunger and the test. So it keeps going on and on. That's why Paul was talking to Timothy. He said, fight a good fight of faith. Fight a good fight of faith. Of, of, of faith. First uh, Timothy chapter 1 verse 6. He said, now this is the part we normally read. Verse 12. But let's see verse 11. He said, but man of God flee from all this. You know, I, I there was a pastor that went to preach somewhere. Paul Washer, the little word is he went to preach somewhere. He's a very, you know, he's, he's, he's quiet. God has blessed him. He went to preach somewhere. And after he finished preaching, he came down from the podium. And, you know, the glory of God fell in the place and things like that. You know, God moved. So when he went to meet a man, and the man said to him, Ah, sir, you are such a great man of God. And Paul Watcher asked him, How do you know? He said, What you saw there is a gift. Say, so what do you know if I'm a man of God? You ask my wife. Or you ask people that are close to me. You just met me preaching. He said, you can say you're a good preacher, but don't call me man of God because you don't know me. It sounds harsh, but that's poor, poor wash anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so, he said, man of God, flee from all this. Pursue righteousness and godliness. Faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Please note the word when it came to righteousness. Pursue it. Make effort. Keep. It says, fight the good fight of faith. So we normally say fight the good fight of faith, but we don't link it to what Paul was saying. That's why Paul now said, take hold of eternal life. So what he's saying is that while you are fighting, then you are taking hold of the life which God has called you. Can I ask a question? How often have you taken, if I ask people about, generally about fight of faith, 
I rarely see people give me responses of fighting to improve their, their certification. And it reveals where the hunger is. Because if the hunger is truly there, it will be part of the bread you ask from God. If there is more that God is showing you, see, there are, the more you get closer to God, the more you see more about yourself. That is my only little experience. I'll give you an example. Isaiah, chapter 6. We don't have it all. But Isaiah, he was a prophet from chapter 1. He was prophesying to people about what they were doing that was wrong. But when chapter 6, when he saw God in his holiness, he discovered that, it, so he now said, I am a man of unclean lips and also live with people of unclean lips. So he has joined himself. So the deeper the revelation of God you have, that is, you are moving a step at a time towards a sanctification. Because one step of the sanctification you take, you discover that there is something more that I need to improve on. That is why the work of sanctification can never end. There is nobody that can say that I am totally sanctified. And you might be talking about justification. But when it comes to full sanctification, if you, are, if you are still getting to a point, there will be certain things that God will be judging you on that other people would say you are perfect. Does that make sense? Because it gets to a point in Christianity, it is not, as you move on, you discover that the first, the first steps that you go is about good versus bad. Then it becomes good, um, perfect will of God. The good and the perfect will of God. So you are doing something. Everybody's saying you're doing and God is saying, why did you do it? It's only you that will know. Do you know what I'm trying to say? It's only you that will know. God bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so the Bible says, fight a good fight of faith. Take hold of, of, of the holy. Last one, a couple of things I'm just going to say is that one of the things sanctification does is that the holiness of the... See, the first thing you see about God, have you ever read anywhere in the Bible where somebody has seen God and the first thing they say, oh, he's loving the first thing you identify with him is his holiness. Why? Because his beauty and his glory is revealed in his holiness. And if Jesus said, let's go on, let's go on, please. Um, if Jesus said that the glory that I have given to them, you have given to me, I have given to them. Then that means that for my glory, as I walk in sanctification, the glory of God in my life becomes clearer and clearer. May God grant us grace in Jesus' precious name. We are prayed. Amen, 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 in Jesus' name. So we'll just... All, all we're saying today... is that after your justification there is a responsibility to continue your journey towards sanctification. And as we have that hunger truly in us, as we understand that there is a power available from the resurrection of Christ. Then, in my journey, I would be, I would, I would become more and more hungry. 
One thing that we saw that Jesus did to overcome sin, aside from the spirit of holiness, the Bible says he hated sin. What God led to my answer, the day you, why, if you are indifferent about sin, that is no problem. Please note, the Bible did not say he hated sin. Have you seen somebody who has cancer? You hate the cancer or you love the person. So I'm not talking about uh, shouting people down, and that's not what we're talking about. But you hate it enough that you say, God, this thing I don't want it. Set me free. Help me in my journey of, of sanctification. You, you resurrected for a reason. And God will grant us grace in Jesus' name. Let us find your peace. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.